Well, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what can. That sounds very good, very good. Well, it has been a while since I've been up here and able to preach, and so I've been saving some really good jokes. <laughs> these these are um, band-related because we had, we had Raise a Hallelujah last week. We had the worship team. We had worship leaders preach, and so these are band-related jokes. You know, I've, I've uh, joined a new band. We're called Blanket. We're a cover band. <laughs> you know, Bon Jovi must be at least three-quarters of the way there by now. Living on a prayer, we're halfway there. And that was a while ago. The world's biggest record shop is so big that when I asked which floor I'd find Led Zeppelin in, they said to take the stairway to seven. I could tell who are the older folks sitting here. <laughs> Younger folks are like, what? If the drummer comes out of retirement, will there be repercussions? <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good to make you groan and make you laugh. I love it. In this next week, we're going to be honoring, honoring Remembrance Day, which is why I'm wearing my poppy, because we get to remember the sacrifice of those soldiers, those thousands of soldiers that died to give us the freedoms that we, uh, we live with now and that we take for granted. And it's, it's a wonderful thing that we get to take them for granted because that means we don't have to fight for them, right? It's a beautiful thing. We would be remiss if we were to forget to remember their sacrifice. So on Thursday, November 11th, if I could remind you to just take that time, take a moment to remember the sacrifice of our loved ones. In war. Last time I preached, I talked about the importance of honor in the life of a Christian, of how important honor is in the kingdom of God, and how honor is a part of our DNA, of our culture here at Living Hope. Honor is essential to how we live our lives. Today, I want to talk about another honor, sorry, another culture piece, another piece that is part of our culture. And so, when I say culture, I, I, I mean a few different things. I mean, number one, what the Bible says we are and what the Bible calls us to be. So we may not be there fully yet, but that's what God has called us to be. And so that's what we're going to strive to be. We're going to try to be perfect, even though we can't be. We're going to try to be there. That's the bar that's set for us. So... Um, of course, these culture pieces don't simply apply to 10.30 or 10, 10 a.m. to 11.30 in the morning on Sundays. These culture pieces apply to our lives 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because the church is not the service. You are the church. And so culture is part of you. Honor is part of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for your logos and your rhema. Lord God, thank you, Lord, that you wrote your word down for us to read and study and to preach and teach and to use for correction in our lives and for encouragement. And you also have given us the rhema word, which we've heard already this morning, to surrender, to let you reign in our lives. And Lord, we want to do that in, in the message this morning. We surrender this message to you. 
And we want to let you reign in our lives. We want to let you reign in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. The culture piece that I want to talk to you about today is on forgiveness. And as a nod to Remembrance Day, I'm titling this sermon, Lest We Remember. Many times in my life, I've had people tell me, you know, you just got to forgive and forget. When I've been hurt or when I've been upset at somebody, they just say, you just got to forgive and forget, Mike. Well, when they encourage me with that, I, I try to forgive and forget. I try to forgive them and to not remember what they did to me anymore. And you know, it's pretty easy when someone accidentally steps on my toes and they turn around and they immediately say, oh, sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to do that. It's easy because it didn't really hurt. They, it was an accident. And they turned around right away and they said, sorry, right? But there are times in my life when people have hurt me and it's hard to forgive because it feels intentional. It hurt a lot. And sometimes there's never an apology. And I know I've been through some rough times, but I know you have been through rougher times. You've been through some really, really rough events in your life. And so how do we forgive in those moments? What can we do? What does it mean to forgive if we can't forget? Forgiveness is a very difficult thing to do. It's difficult for a number of reasons. Number one, and I think the, the biggest reason why forgiveness is hard is because we want to see justice. We want to see justice served. That person hurt me, and so I want to hurt them. That's the hardest part about forgiveness, I think, is letting go, is surrender. Surrendering it to God and saying, okay, you, you deal with this because I'm just going to mess this up. I'm just going to mess it up. It's difficult. We have a sense of justice, and we want to mete out that justice. We want to take care of business. But the Bible clearly says in instances where we are hurt that we are not to take revenge. Not to take revenge. Romans 12, 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay. This would include hitting them back. This would include insulting them back. This would include uh, giving them the cold shoulder because they hurt you with their words or with their actions. Revenge doesn't need to mirror the offense. It doesn't have to be eye for eye or tooth for tooth in order for it to be revenge. We can be sneaky. We're creative in our revenge. It doesn't have to be a mirrored offense back. Revenge can take a whole different approach. However, none of it is biblical because vengeance is the Lord's. It's not yours. To be honest, I'm thankful that, that it's God's to avenge because my perspective is way off, way off. When I take vengeance, I go way over the top, and I, I, I realized as a young adult, I can't be doing this because I'm going to hurt somebody or permanently lose a friend. So when I was a, a young driver in my, my, 
my very own truck. And uh, so I bought this truck, and I put a bunch of money into the stereo, and I loved that truck. And I drove around a lot and always had friends with me because they couldn't afford gas. And so I was always driving people around, having a good time. And I had two rules. Number one, don't touch the stereo because I, like, like a foolish teenager, I put way too much money into my stereo. And I never actually had it full volume because I'm pretty sure it would cause permanent hearing loss. So I never had a full volume. And unless somebody, the co-pilot, understood, you can cause people to go deaf with this thing. They couldn't touch it. Okay? That was pretty, pretty simple and understandable rule. Second rule was, don't touch the horn. It really bugged me when people in the back seat with tinted out windows in the back would reach forward because they saw someone that they knew on the side of the road. They'd reach forward, honk the horn, and they'd be waving, trying to get their attention with the drop-down, pop-out seats in the back seat. They're like, trying to wave and get their attention, right? Who's good? No one is going to see them. They see me in the front seat. They're like, who's that guy, and why did he honk at me? So that's why I said, okay, that's it. No more honking, because you guys are just being ridiculous. No more honking. So I was driving around, and a friend of mine was in passenger seat, and he reached over. And he honked my horn. And he knew the rule. So I balled up my fist and I backfisted him right to the chest, knocked the wind out of him, and I said, don't touch my horn. <laughs> I say all that to say this. Don't touch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I say that in, in uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to share that story, to be honest. But um, I say that to say that I don't know the appropriate response levels. I went way over the top. And thankfully, he forgave me. But um, I went way over the top. Like, that was not called for for me to hit him like that. But uh, I am not good at retaliating. And, and you know what? I don't think I'm alone in this room or online. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that if we were to be honest, we would say, you know what? I also don't retaliate properly. Sometimes we retaliate way too much we go way over that line or sometimes we just don't retaliate at all and we don't stand up for ourselves or for other people and we just we don't sometimes there is an appropriate retaliation to say excuse me uh, you don't need to be talking like that you don't need to be using those kind of words with me you don't need to be using that tone with those people and so sometimes um, it's just hard to know the level of response right Thankfully, vengeance is the Lord's. It's not mine. It's not ours to repay. It's the Lord's. Without the ability to repay people for the vengeance, for the offenses that they have given us, for the hurts and the wrongs that they have given us, how, what do we do? How do we forgive? How do we forgive? Well, we're left with some options. First, we are to forgive. We are to forgive. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Or you can read the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. 
But both of those portions of Scripture say the same thing. We are to forgive others. And if we don't, God still holds our sin against us. He doesn't forgive us. There's no wiggle room for this in Scripture. Absolutely none. I've looked for it. It's not there. There's no wiggle room for this in Scripture. There's no Scripture that says, you don't have to forgive a person if they do this, or if they are such and such a position. It it, it doesn't exist. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. We're simply directed to forgive, period. Second, we are to keep no record. Keep no record. The two greatest commandments are what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor and your, as yourself. Jesus also says in John 13, 35, By this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. What's the common theme here? Love. That's right. So the best definition is of love is found, of course, in 1 Corinthians 13. So let's take a look at that. Starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And verse 8 adds, love never fails. Love never fails. You've probably already picked up on the phrase that I want to highlight this morning. Love keeps no record. Keeps no record. We need to wreck the record of those offenses that have been done to us. We need to wreck those records. They cannot have any part in our life as believers. Destroy them. Make sure they don't interfere with how you live your life. The Bible does not say to forget, but it does say wreck the record. Do not keep a record of the wrongs that have been done to you. And you know, our brains are amazing things. We can remember and we can do and we can recall millions of different things. Sometimes maybe not the thing you want to or need to remember at that moment, but the brain is an amazing organ and it can store and do so many different things. And unfortunately, those traumatic events are normally remembered. Unless we block them out of our memory. But we normally latch on to them because they're a big event. And so we remember them. And so what do we do when we can't forget? We need to wreck the record of it. We need to not hold them accountable for those actions. That's part of forgiving them. That's part of forgiving them. That's part of loving them. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. See, this is a part of a prophetic word 
from God through Isaiah to the Israelites. And God is saying, I won't, I won't even remember. I'm going to blot them out. Now, God, of course, can't forget. He can't forget, but he's, he's not keeping track. He's not keeping track. If we forgive others, and if we ask for forgiveness from him, and if we are repentant, he doesn't keep track of our sins. He sees them no more. He doesn't see them. Psalm 103 says, 103.12, As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. I love this analogy because King David wrote this analogy. And it's believed that King David died around 970 B.C. That was a while ago. And when, uh, when he wrote this, I don't think he quite understood the impact of this. You see, you can, you can reach your end as you're traveling north. You can reach a point when you're traveling north that all of a sudden, if you take one more step, you're going to be traveling south. And you can travel south so far to the point that when you get to the South Pole, you take one more step, you'll be traveling north. There is an end to the south. There is an end to the north. But there is no end to the east. There is no end to the west. You can keep going and going and going and going and going. There's no end. And so when God says, I'm going to throw your sins away from you as far as the east is from the west, that's as far away as possible. They're never going to meet. See, King David wrote this psalm, as I said, and the first known use of the term North Pole is found in the 14th century. That's a ways later. That's a, there's a good chunk of time between when David penned this to when they coined the term North Pole. Now, David had no idea that his words were going to be accurate, but the Holy Spirit used him to make sure that they were accurate for us still today. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write it that way instead of north and south, which he very well could have wrote, but he wrote east and west. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Our sins are cast away from us as far as they possibly can be cast. Love doesn't bring it up again. Love doesn't hold sins of the past against those that have wronged us. Love wrecks the record. Estevan was settled close to the Suris River. For those of you joining us online, if you could write down the river that's close to you, and for everyone here, I want you to imagine life is like a river. As we are going along, we are in our own little boats. Everyone has a boat. And sometimes we join together with other people. Sometimes that's temporarily as friends. Sometimes that's permanently in marriage and families. And, and we, have, we live life together. We go down this river together in the boat. And you know, sometimes people take their boat and they ram up too hard up against ours. And we almost capsize. We almost fall out of the boat. Sometimes they, they, they hit us and just direct us off a little bit, enough, so that we hit a rock 
and we're hurt, we're offended, we're upset about it. But you know, as we go along, we are on this journey together. Sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's deep, sometimes it's shallow. But we always are moving along this river of life. Can I get two volunteers, one from this area close to the front, one from this area close to the front? Just put up your hand when you're ready to volunteer. Promise you won't get hurt. I promise I won't backfist you. Scott, can you actually just stay there. Just stay there. Yeah, sit down, please. You don't even need to move from your chair. Okay, and I need someone from over here. Isaiah, perfect. Scott, you hold that in. Sit down. Just take a seat. It's good. It's all good. Hold on to it good, though. Okay, where's the other end? Okay, I may have a nod in here, but that's okay. Oh, maybe not going to be okay. Oh, I thought I had this all. This nylon rope's the worst. Always gets knotted up. Okay. Here we go. Isaiah, you hold that end. Hold it tight. Perfect. Excuse me, ladies. All right. Okay, so we do have an odd in here, but that's okay. So, we're traveling along, and Isaiah offends me. I know it's hard to believe. But Isaiah offended me. And so I, I don't forgive him. And so what that does is that ties me to that event. When I don't forgive him, it's like I've set down an anchor in this river of life. And I'm forever tied to that event until I can forgive and I can wreck the record. Scott offended me too. And so I'm tied to him. I'm tied to that event. And you know what? They may not even be aware that they offended me, that they hurt me. But I'm aware. I know. And I'm tied to it. Because I can't forgive them. I can't wreck the record. Because I can't surrender control over to God. Until we forgive, we will always be tied to them. We need to take the record. We need to wreck the record. And yes, you may still always have a memory. You may still always remember what they did, but you'll be at least free to move along and to move on with your life and not be forever tied to the offenses in the past. And what I know of inner healing, so much of it has to do with us holding on to the things of the past. Us not surrendering control to God and saying, okay, God, you got to take over because I just, I'm wrecked. I can't do it. Because we are wanting other people to pay for what they did to us. We have to let God take vengeance. It's his, it's not yours. You got to wreck the record. You have to cut yourself free.
One objection uh, that is given about forgiveness is that we don't want to be doormats. We don't want to just let people continue to walk over us, especially in the name of Jesus. I don't want you as a Christian to just let people walk over you and continue to use and abuse you. That's not right. But we do still need to forgive them. We need to let God deal with them. We need to forgive. We need to wreck the record. Keep no record of the wrong. Forgiveness is so important. Let me just give you a quick example. So if, if someone crashed your car last week, I wouldn't recommend you giving them the keys to your new car this week, right? But you can put up a boundary. You can say, listen, you know what? I'm not going to lend you my car. You know, remember what happened last week? Yeah, but I will drive you. I'll arrange for a cab or I'll call another friend that can take you. But you can't, sorry, you can't take the car to this time. Maybe later, maybe later, right? But you can draw appropriate boundaries to protect yourself and to help them. Boundaries are good. But forgiveness is so important that the Apostle Paul writes about it explicitly or implicitly in almost all of his letters. Let's start from left to right, starting in Romans. It says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 13.5 that we've already read, Love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 2.7 and 10-11 through 11 says, Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are unaware for we are not unaware, sorry, of his schemes. Uh, pretty much all of Galatians 5, if you want to read that chapter, is implicitly about forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I could keep going, but I think you get the point. Why does the Apostle Paul write so much about forgiveness? Why does he write about it in almost all of his letters? Because it happens to all of us almost every single day. We need to forgive someone. We take offense. Oh, that kind of hurt a bit. Okay, forgive. I wrecked the record. Oh, what that person did to me, that hurt a lot. 
okay, I need to work out this process of forgiving them, Lord, and I need to wreck the record. The need to forgive is so common. And when we don't forgive, it's so caustic to us and to the whole church. Remember what that reference in 2 Corinthians said? It says if we don't forgive, that Satan is outwitting us. He's outwitting us. He's winning if we don't forgive. He's outwitting us. And I'm not going to stand by and just let that happen. Wreck your records. Holding on to the painful events of the past is unbiblical, and it's holding you back from going forward in what God has for you. You are tethered to those events because you want to take vengeance. You got to wreck the records. You got to cut them clean. Keep no record of wrongs. That's the only way that you can move forward. The only way. You'll be stuck if you don't. And if you feel like you're stuck and you can't figure out why, then take some time to pray and ask God, God, search my heart. What is it? What's going on? Is there something that I am tethered to still? Is there an event an event in my life that I'm refusing to give to you because I'm keeping a record of it because I want to see vengeance. You need to cut, wreck the record. Ask God if you're holding on to vengeance and keeping record of those events or if you have forgiven that person, those many people maybe. And if you've given them completely over to God. Imagine with me a world where you can think about every event in your life. Every single thing that's done to you. Positive or negative. And you can say, you know what? That may have hurt me, but I've wrecked that record. It doesn't continue to hold me back. I'm not giving it the authority to continue to affect my life today. I'm taking back my life. And if you can just think about all those events and positive or negative, just be all right with all of them. Not have any bitterness or unforgiveness associated with them. Imagine being able to carry on a civil and kind, even joyful conversation with someone who's hurt you in a deep way. Or who you have hurt in a deep way. Can you imagine having a conversation like that? Can you imagine being welcome at any table, in any household, especially of those that have hurt you or you have hurt? Can you imagine just going up to any table and just being welcome there and there not being any awkwardness, no tension from the past? Imagine being welcome to join anything, anywhere. Imagine what it would be like to wreck your records, all of them, completely severed. Imagine. That's what it should be like in every service here at Living Hope. 
That's what it should be like in every life group, every conference that's put on, every meeting that we have, and even every practice that is held. Forgiveness is part of our culture at Living Hope. We will wreck the records because it's unbiblical for us to hold on to them. Vengeance is the Lord's. If you've truly forgiven them, stop bringing it up. Don't keep bringing up stuff from the past. If you haven't forgiven them, you need to in order to be in right standing with God. Wreck your records and don't bring it up again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you you have such a better perspective than we do. Thank you, Lord, that you understand the whole picture. We have but a narrow, slim understanding of what really happened, but Lord, you understand everything. And you know the appropriate vengeance. You know how to appropriately give justice for every wrong that we have done and every wrong that has been done against us. And Lord, we just want to surrender fully and completely. We want to sever sever those ties that are tethering us to those events in the past. We want to give you the ability to take justice in these situations. We don't want to hold on to them anymore. We're tired. We're tired of holding on. We're tired of being held back. Thank you, Lord, for providing a way. Thank you, Lord, for being so big that you can handle these situations. In Jesus' name, amen. Jess, if you could come and play on the piano, please. I want to encourage you. Take some time this week and ask God, am I holding on to anything? Is there an event in the past that I'm still tied to, that I'm still tethered to because I can't? or haven't been able to forgive, I want to encourage you, you can. You can forgive. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness, including the ability to wreck the record. He's given you that ability. So take some time this week, today, if you you have time today. I'd recommend as soon as possible when you can sit down and take an inventory with God and you can say, God, search my heart. Search my heart, Lord. Tell me where I'm still tethered to the events of the past because, man, it feels like I'm stuck. It feels like I can't move on. And I want to give some time right now for you to do that. Jess, if you could just play quietly and you don't even need to sing just play quietly and I just want to give us a few minutes spend time with the Lord as soon as we leave here we're going to get back into our busy lives
But let's take some time right now. Search your heart. And you know, this should be done before every time we take communion. Search your heart and ask him, is there anything I'm tied to that I need to wreck the record of? Chances are, that's just the appetizer. You got the main course yet to come. It's hard to do a whole life inventory in four minutes. So I'd, I'd encourage you to keep doing that. Keep asking God, is there anything else? Anything else? How do I forgive them? 
how do I wreck that record, Lord? I give you the ability to take vengeance. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've come to the right place. Your journey with Jesus starts in just three steps. Number one, recognize that you are not perfect. Jesus and Jesus alone is perfect. And he lived that perfect, sinless life to give us the opportunity to accept his sacrifice for our sins. Chances are you've recognized and you're already at step one. But maybe you're just on the threshold of step two, which is to receive that sacrifice for your sins. And the third step is to relinquish control of your life, giving Jesus complete control of all day, every day. And if you want to do that, I would love to, be, to, to talk with you on how to start your journey with Jesus. I can get the prayer team to come forward, and we just want to minister to any prayer needs that you might have. If you have an upcoming surgery, we'd love to pray with you. If you have a need in your family, we'd love to pray with you. If there's any prayer need that you have at all, we'd love to pray with you. For those online, there's a host online to pray with you and to, to help you if you want to start your journey with Jesus. So we're going to dismiss for the day. If you are going to come back for Freedom Session, you Freedom Weekend, you go grab something to eat, come back real quick. If you need prayer, come forward. We'd love to pray with you. And if you want to start your journey with Jesus today, I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to talk with you on how to do that. Let's close in a quick prayer. Father, we thank you for your every blessing over our life. And Lord, we pray that as we do this inventory of forgiveness in our lives, that you would show us those events that we are tethered to, that we haven't given up control of. And we pray, Lord God, you would help us to wreck the record of those events. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in love and peace. Have yourself a great week and grab a coffee on your way out. God bless you. See